All right, we'll be working out of, uh, just for a, for a moment, our first scripture will be uh, 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. I don't know about, I think everybody in here probably loves bargains. And one thing that we love to do is talk about the bargains that we find. Uh, we just love that. We, we get excited when we go to clearance racks and we see brand new, brand new items on clearance. It's one of the, like when you're trying to buy clothes and you don't have a good budget, or not a good budget, but a, you know, just a, a budget, um, you, you get excited when you see that you can take your $10 a week allowance and buy something that no, normally would cost, I don't know, how, a lot more. But Amy loves, and just like y'all, she loves bargains. I don't know the last time that she paid full price for new clothes, but she, she goes to garage sales specifically for our children's clothes. She has throughout the, since we've been married. And then she'll go to resale shops specifically for our children's clothes. But when she comes back, you know what happens? You know what happens, Connor? There is, there is the, the show and tell. The opening of the bags, and one by one, she holds them up and she says, guess how much? And I've got to guess high. Because if I guess too low, then that's kind of disappointing. So she pulls out something and, and guess how much? Oh, $25. You can't do too high because she, then she knows you're messing with her. I don't know, $5? No, 25 cents. Can you imagine? Can you believe that? No, I can't. Good job. And then she does this thing at the end of the show and tell thing. Then she'll give you how much everything costs. Do you understand that normally, and oh, and the other thing, um, look, this still has the tags on it. That's the best. That's the best. Um, but she'll give you the whole, the total amount of what everything costs and then tell you what it would have cost because it's, it's bargain hunting. And that's the way you're supposed to do it. Find the bargains and, and, just, and just enjoy, roll around in those bargains. And all of us like those. But, but there are some people who are really good about finding the best deals in grocery stores. I'm pointing at, um, there are people I know in here who are incredibly adept at finding the best deals. And sometimes they make money uh, off of, with, with coupons and stuff. They actually make money because they know how to bargain shop. We hear of people who will buy milk that's on sale for a cup for 250. No, milk that the store will say it's on sale for 250, even though down the street at a store it's 215. But they'll still buy the milk there. It always baffles me. If you go down to the gas station over here on Reading or Reading and, um, and BF Terry, there are two gas stations there. One of them might have gas at $1.99 a gallon. The other one might have gas at $2.15 a gallon. And you will get gas at $1.99 and look across the street and see a lot of cars getting gas at $2.15. Why would that be? I, I don't know, but, but it's, we're looking for bargains. And when we find them, we get excited. Only sometimes um, people don't look for bargains. Clearance shelves at Kroger. Very disappointing. You go to the clearance aisle area at Kroger and you realize, wait, it's 25 cents cheaper. A few times we get things on Amazon, or at least I have, thinking this is a great deal, and then you get it and it falls apart when you touch it. 
the tradition of bargain hunting. You just think about that. Someone who not just finds bargains, but hunts them down. Cheap substitutes are not bargains. And then when we talk about this idea of religion, we go to 2 Peter 2, 3, and we see that people let their desire for discount Christianity drive them to accept false teaching, drive them in their search for, uh, for the truth. And you see 2 Peter um, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and, but there are also false prophets among the people, as, even as there will be false teachers among you who secretly be, bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift, swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And then three, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words for a long time. Uh, for a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. There will be people who will exploit you with false words um, that Peter warns. That word exploit, King James translates it, making what? Merchandise of you. In other words, cheating, using you to cheat, taking advantage of you. But we, we talk about different religious groups. We talk about denominations, and, and there are things that we wish we could teach that are just... Why would we want to teach them? Because it's non-confrontational. I'll mention that again. Why would we want to teach that, that, that there are bargains to be had religiously? Well, because it's easier than teaching the truth. So we start with this idea um, of unity of all believers. Wouldn't that be a, something to teach? We kind of talked about that last, last week, how we would like to teach tolerance, but unity, unity of all believers, what would be the motivation? This is a discussion uh, question. What would be the motivation for, for teaching unity of all believers? Again, and I've kind of alluded to that. What's the motivation? What would be the motivation if we could teach that? The only unity that you could have among religions would be if you use the Bible as your... Well, yes. And so if we... We might be tempted to teach unity when... When when what? And I know what you're saying. That's what Moore said. The only unity can be found when we follow the Bible. And that's exactly where we're going. But there are people who want unity for unity's sake, and will just say, they would say, you know, so long as someone believes in God or is a believer, then, then we should just be considered to be joined together with everyone else who, who considers themselves believers in God. And that includes a lot of crazy ideas. The definition of a believer is going to be flexible. What you, what you believe and what they believe are going to be two different things, but as long as they believe in some sort of, some some form or idea of God, people will say they're okay. There are, there are groups who don't believe, don't teach that the virgin birth of Jesus is, is actual, is, is the truth. And, and um, you can look, you can find, I found a list of things on, on one religious website, Eight, ten things that you do not have to believe in order to, to go to heaven. Ten things you don't have to believe. And one of them is that the, the virgin birth isn't, isn't real. It's just a myth. One of them is that. You know, 50% of people, 2017 and, and 2000 and 
2017, 2010 people were, were interviewed, surveyed, and they were asked, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And these were people who professed to be Christians, and 50% of them said, no, that's probably a myth. It doesn't make sense. How can that be? 50%, exactly 50% of those people. And then there are people who doubt the miracles in the Bible. They don't make sense. They, they doubt whether Jesus was actually God incarnate. Now, unity is absolutely important. You, you, if you're following along with the outline, I believe this is part of this. Unity is important. Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When we read that, make every effort, what does that tell us about unity? Well, it's to be had, but it's up to us to, to, to make sure that happens. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean if it's up to me, then I'm going to include everyone because I want to be unified in everything that we do? No, that's not. Look what, look what kind of unity it is. What kind of unity are we to make every effort to, to keep? Of the Spirit. What does that mean? That's what you're saying. That, that unity is to be found in the Spirit. And where do we find where do we find the Spirit speaking in the Scriptures? And then we see make every effort to keep the unity. But we don't accept lies in place of truth. What do we believe about uh, about the Jesus being born of a virgin? Absolutely. Matthew one twenty three. What do we believe about the resurrection of Jesus as a fact? Well, we go to 1 Corinthians 15, and let's go over there because we're going to look at two scriptures in a row, two sections of scriptures from 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 15. This is Paul, and it, it, and it kind of goes back and forth, but we've got to understand if someone says, no, we can believe in God, we can be unified with you, we can have fellowship with you, but we don't believe in the resurrection because... That, that just, you know, doesn't have, we don't have to believe in that to go to heaven. Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind, Paul says, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. And then he gives an outline of what he preached. Um, but notice in verse 2, otherwise you have believed in vain. You believed, but, it, but it's for all for naught. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. The first importance, he says, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So that's what it says. There was a resurrection, Paul said, and you are believing in vain if there was none. He goes on. We're getting ready to look at scriptures a few more verses down in 12 through 19. But if you don't believe that Jesus was raised, then you are in trouble. There are consequences to believing that. And Jesus, Jesus absolutely was. But what if we decide, I know you taught that, Paul. But it doesn't make sense, and it, and it excludes a lot of people who don't believe in the resurrection. So why can't we just teach that and just accept them? 15, 12 through 19. But it, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? 
Now that is very important for us. Why would we want to know for sure that there is resurrection? Well, first of all, Christ's resurrection and then resurrection of the dead. Because we want those people who have died in Christ to be resurrected when Jesus comes. But he says, he says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. These are strong words. More than that, he says in 15, we are then found to be false witnesses about God for we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. If it's impossible for, dead to be, for, for the dead to be raised, then Jesus couldn't have been raised. <clears throat> Excuse me, but we... Well, and then he goes on. We have testified, but, but for the dead, uh, 16, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And he says in 17, if Christ was not raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And I want to talk about the reasons that he's given. I want you to, uh, let's discuss that in a second. But then in 18, then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all of all people most to be pitied. Why is it important? What are some of the facets of believing that Jesus was raised? He says all your hope is in that. Why? Did he die? Now people are going to say, yes, he lived. And they're not going to argue about that. They're going to, they'll say, yes, he would. Yeah, so Moore says um, Jesus was raised, and so we have the assurance that it's possible and that we will be raised also if we, when we die, if we die in Christ. There's a stipulation. But it has to be in order to experience that good experience of Jesus coming back and raising the dead in Christ to be with him forever. The, in order for that to happen, Jesus has to has, have been raised. What else? What, what are the consequences of not of not believing in the resurrection of Christ. Well, the consequence is you reverse, you get to go with Jesus forever, for, for eternity. Reverse that, you don't. You don't. But we have hope in Christ, and if he hasn't been raised, we're, we're just, and kids aren't here, so I can say we're idiots. And that's a strong word, but that's what Paul is saying. Then we are to be pitied. But Paul says, I taught you this, and it's the truth, and there are people who are trying to teach you and convince you that that didn't happen. But our whole faith is based on Jesus living. Yes, he died for us. That's huge. And he was buried. That's factual and is prophesied. But him being still alive, that's hope. And it's hope for us to get to go to heaven as well. And people buy into a religion that accepts people who don't believe that. And again, it's cheap and it's good to, to buy into because it's non-confrontational if you allow it to happen. No challenges. And we'll talk, we'll talk in a few weeks, several weeks, about the belief that you, once you're saved, you're always saved. That'd be nice to teach. But there are no challenges in that. And, and, and Christianity, and I've said this before, Christianity is all about getting out of your comfort zone. 
all about accepting that you have sinned and stepping out of that comfort zone of your sins. Once you become a Christian, it's all about growing and stepping out of your comfort zone. You read where you need to. The Bible is good for reproof and correction. You read where you need, where, where you have messed up, where you're weak, and then the Bible teaches you, step out of your comfort zone and get corrected. The Christianity is about getting out of your comfort zone, and this kind of Christianity, Christianity or belief that they teach, it contains no challenges. There's no way you can get, go wrong. It offers salvation to anyone who just thinks themselves a believer. And, and some people might say, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And other people would say, well, then you're great because you are a believer. I'm spiritual. Well, that if you true religion is possible, James says. And so there is there is religion to be had. There's no need to reform our lives if we can be saved just the way we are. And so it is a discount based on lies. I don't know if you remember. And this is this is a prevalent, prevalent belief in the United States that one church is as good as the other. When I was growing up, and I haven't, I, I don't look, but I remember growing up, and we didn't go to church, we weren't religious, but on the back page of a lot of newspapers, or right, right before the last page, there was, a, there was a religious page. And I don't know if, the Fort, if, if Fort Bend still does that. Um, and it said at the top, at what? Uh, yeah, attend the church of your choice. And I always thought that was nice. I mean, I, we didn't go to church, but I always thought that, oh, you got a smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. You get to choose. And there were all kinds of churches listed on that, on that page. What you're looking at is it, some of those are books, choosing a church, little pamphlets, step-by-step guide to choosing a church, how to choose a church, how, how to find a church you love, how to find a church you love. And so there are steps that you can take but you don't even have to be a part of organized religion if you don't care for that sort of thing, as long as you find some place. And people will say, what are some of the reasons that people give for looking for the church of their choice? They don't have to change. They can go in and they can fit in and they can bring their lifestyle in. And that's true. Maybe you've been to, to, uh, to religious uh, services or whatever you want to call them where, where the people openly talked about some of the sins that they still participate in. The language. I've heard, I've heard religious leaders use language that, that my grandma would, uh, would have used. <laughs> One grandma would have used. But what else? What, what else? Why, why else might, we, might, we, uh, might someone decide, I'm going to look for the church. What are they really saying? Just tell me what they're saying. If they get into the mindset, I'm going to look for the church of my choice. Yes, Carrie. Yeah, what does it matter? One's just, what are they looking for? Well, that one's closer. What do they teach? I don't know. But I'm a believer, and so I can go to that. What else? Yeah. Yeah, they have this idea, they have this mindset, and they're going to look around until they find some something that that not just they agree with, but agrees with them. Yes. Any other motivations that we hear? 
Yeah, entertainment. Oh, I love to go to that congregation because of the band, because of the because of the because of the skits. We're going to talk about um, in a, several weeks. We're going to talk about the idea of accepting all kinds of worship, and there's a worship style or, or whatever called flag worship. I'll, I'll let you know about that. But hey, they do flag worshiping. I'm going to go, or anything else that that just will entertain them. The kind this discount. Christianity will be snapped up by people who don't want to be bothered by finding, looking for a church that does what? Lives by the word, functions by the word, scriptural church. They won't look for a church that that teaches Jesus as the son of God, Jesus as the savior of the world, Jesus who has been crucified, buried, and resurrected for us. They won't teach, they won't look for a church like that. In fact, um, there, were, there are people, there are criticisms of, of, of the, what would we call this, mainline church of Christ. I don't know what you'd call us, but, but there are criticisms because we take the Bible literally. And there are groups, even, even uh, groups close to, clo- close to what we would call ourselves, yes, Yes. So they don't read the Bible. And, and uh, the comment was, Melda made the comment, she's heard people say there, there's more than one way to get to heaven. And apparently they haven't read Scripture. Apparently they haven't ever read what Jesus said. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so they haven't read that. And so that's the world teaching us. You can take whatever road you want to. Now, in, in Matthew 7... What does he teach about the narrow and the wide way? A lot of people are going to be on that wide way. And those people are trying to get, now they use an use a, uh, analogy, people trying to get to Washington. There are a lot of ways to get there, but a lot of people are trying to get to heaven on that wide way. And they're following other people who are on there, but they're trying to get to heaven. And I, I, when we do Bible studies, I, I point out that Jesus is talking about when he gets to seven and 19 through 21, he's talking about people who believe they're religious, believe that they're doing the right thing. But so in Matthew 7, he's talking about people who are trying to go in the right place, but they see, hey, so many people are over here. It must be right. Oh, we get here and we enjoy ourselves and we are entertained. And so we believe all that stuff that they're saying. But this, it's, it's snapped up by people. They don't want to be bothered by finding the true church that follows the Bible only. And so Jesus says, I'm going, to, I'm going to rattle off some scripture. Jesus says to Peter, I say that you're Peter and on this rock I will build what? My church. My church. I'm not going to build a bunch of churches. I'm going to build my church. People are saved when they're added to the Lord's church. Acts 2.47. To the church. God added daily to the church. The Lord added to the church daily. What? In, in Colossians uh, 1.18, he is the head of the body and then the church. The church. And we've gone over these scriptures and we teach these scriptures one-on-one, I hope. We get we, just so many singulars. There is never a time when you read 
that Jesus died and his body is the our, his body is made up of a bunch of churches. Now we know local we will say the local churches, but we're talking about the body of Christ. Um, Acts 20, 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you elders, overseers. He purchased with the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Ephesians 5, 23, Christ is the head of the church. And he is a savior of the body. And then Ephesians 4, I believe, uh-oh. Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body. There's one body. And anyone who doesn't like this teaching, anyone who doesn't like the idea that we're following the Bible, isn't going to like this teaching. It's just not going to happen. There is one, there, there is one um, body, one head, one Savior, one Christ, one Father, one Son, one Spirit, one Godhead, and people don't like to hear that. People don't like to hear that. There is one, one baptism, and definitely, without question, there is one, there's one church. What do we teach? If you've ever had the safety chain training, and we get to this point, and we're talking about Jesus being the head of the body, what are some of the things we might say when people say, no, 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 there are a lot of, there are a lot of ways to get to heaven we point out what? I don't know if anyone remembers the analogy uh, that we, we've talked about in training. Do you remember Wilson on Tool Time? What, what, what about Wilson do you remember? Yes. What did he look like? I don't know. <laughs> you don't really know. You just saw, up, you know, from his nose up, you just saw these eyes. So you never saw his head, but, but it's possible it's possible that Wilson had a whole bunch of bodies under that line, right? That he had, he, there was his head, and then he had all, like two or three. He was a Siamese quadruplet, and he had all these bodies attached to Wilson's head. No, 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 that's, we, we know that's, so when you read Christ is the head, we, we read Ephesians uh, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things the church, and then you flip that around. So one head makes sense there's one body. But people people in the world would say, no, there are many bodies, different, different kinds of bodies, one head. Now, then, there will also be those people who say, there are many bodies and many heads. But can you imagine God making... Uh, uh, a being or, or just a model like that? What would that be like? It'd be like an octopus with several heads. And that would be the church. Well, which one do you choose? The tentacle that you like. That's what you choose. So how, would, how, how do people come to grips or, or try to convince us? No, it's possible that there are many that there are many bodies to that one head, many ways to get to Washington. What are some of the things that you have heard people say throughout the years to prove that? Have you ever heard a good argument about it? I haven't. But there are people who, who believe that and who will stand by that. So what are things, what are some things that you've had people say to you that just, 
they totally don't make sense. If you've ever had anything. People trying to convince us, no, I'm okay. I don't have to be, uh, and this is a confusing thing for a lot of people. I don't have to be a mem- I don't have to be a Church of Christ. Well, that's how they'll say that. I don't have to be a member of the Church of Christ. I can be a member of whatever religion and be unified to you. What don't they understand about the body of Christ? Well, we just looked at it. He's the head of the body. The body's the church. We just looked at scriptures and said that. Church of Christ isn't isn't a building. We we sing that. It is not a denomination. We teach that. The Church of Christ is one body worldwide, people made up of, of individual members, Scripture teaches, that who have done what? Who have followed the will of God in order to make sure they know how they're getting to heaven. There are stipulations and conditions that we have to meet. But I want to make sure that we understand that, that the body of Christ, I think that is the church, that's his body, Ephesians 1.22. That is, the church is his body. But notice 1.23. His body, the fullness who fills, all, who fills all in all. His body is the fullness. What does that mean? 23, the fullness. It's a completeness. Any other, any other religion that teaches there are many bodies doesn't understand the completeness of God that is that we are complete in Him when we're in the body of Christ who is the head, who is the Son of God, who is God. We are part of that. And that's the fullness of God as far as I understand. How many denominations do we have out in the world? I didn't even look because there are thousands. And I'm not picking on any, any particular group because... Because that's not what we do. We do teach against their teaching. But we don't point fingers because we want to present the truth. And when the truth is presented, people go, oh, sometimes you have to stand up and lay it out. I understand that in sermons and other teaching. But when people understand the truth and they accept the truth and they act on the truth and they become part of the Lord's body, that's, that's how you combat uh, denominationalism in one way. You do have to teach strongly against it. But they'll say it doesn't matter where you meet. What are they saying as far as bargain Christianity, is bargain hunter Christianity? One product is just as good as the other. Connor, I looked high and low for a picture that I took of him in a 99 cent store, and it, and it was a picture of a knife. It was a picture of a Swiss army knife. Do you remember that picture? You know, anyway, he's holding it up and there are misprints on it, calling it all different kinds of things that it, nothing close to. Well, it's kind of close, just adding letters here and there. And I was thinking we should have bought that just to see how long it would last. You go to the 99 cent store and you're going to find some good bargains, things you're going to find tools. You should get tools at the 99 cent store, right? Not at all. You should not get tools at the 99 cent store unless you just want to break tools and ruin things. But people will say, our brand is just as good as the original. And they'll say, look at all these things, and not just the original, but they'll say, and we've got some more. Wait, there's more. What are some of the wait, there's more? Well, we've got entertainment. We've got, I, I, I don't like this phrase because it usually means that, that you're going to get some undoctrinal teaching we are on the cutting edge of Christianity. That cutting edge will cut you. 
It's a scary thing to say, I'm on the cutting edge. That's right. But they'll say, we'll throw in. Not only, you don't have to have the original. You ha we have new and improved. We have Christianity uh, 2.0, 2.1. We, we, we're moving up in the world. But what other things do they offer? Entertainment, we can talk about that. What else? Money. It, seriously, they will offer an, a, an opportunity to make money if you, if you show up, you may be eligible to have some bills paid if you show up. But you've got to show up in order for, to, to, to take care of some of your financial burdens. What else? What else do they throw in as far as things that they say the original doesn't have? Modern ideas. What do they say? The, the scriptures, that, that's just old-fashioned. That, that's, those are cultural things. It's not literal. We don't have to live by those anymore because they're in the, you know, and they'll teach modernized Christianity. And, huh? Accept you as you are. You don't, yes. And, and we accept people, but we can't, ex, but Christ can't, ex, we accept people when they come in. We accept visitors. I've seen y'all love on people, on visitors, who um, you could tell they're not used to being loved on. I've, I've seen it happen over and over again. But churches will teach, you don't have to change. We'll accept you. Whatever, whatever living arrangements you have, whatever, wh whoever you think you're married to, if it's, if it's a man married to a man or a woman married to uh, someone that they have had an affair with and on and on, we'll accept you. I mentioned last week that there is a danger, obvious danger in not teaching against that. We will accept you. They'll throw in all kinds of things. And so instead of choosing the church of your choice, what do we choose? Who decided that we can go to heaven? I mean, God decided. We talked about Genesis. We, we, were, we were in God's mind. Before creation started, God decided that we would have uh, an avenue, a way to get to heaven. And God decided that it would be his son's body. And God decided that that body would be called the church. And God decided that the church, in other words, God chose us to be in his son's body. It's not the church of our choice. Do you do, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Christ as his son? Do you believe that he died for you? Yes, 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 yes. And then 247 of Acts, what happened? When those people in Acts chapter 2 repented, they're baptized for the forgiveness of their sin, remission of their sins, then what happened in Acts 247? Then they went out and they found a church of their choice. They were added to the church. They became part of the, the body of Christ. 247 says, and the Lord added to those daily, the, to daily uh, those who are being saved. It's not the church of our choice. Next week we'll talk about, we'll talk about faith only and, and other things. But, but two, two areas that people will try to sell us bargains as far as religious uh, religion is concerned. Total unity, total acceptance of any religion and, and um, the idea that there are to choose the cho uh, church of choice.
attend the church of your choice. Crazy things, crazy things that are out there. And we know that for sure. But I think that we can be motivated to, uh, to gently teach and correct and live by the word and show people. And one more thing, um, visitors coming in I, over and over throughout the years, and I know it'll continue. Visitors coming in are so many of them have said, I like this church because all I hear is the Bible being taught. And all I see is people accepting that um, Bible being taught. And the fact that y'all show up over and over again, that says a lot. It says a lot about you, and it, tell, and it speaks a lot to the visitors that come in. Thanks, y'all, for listening, for participating. And um, there's no one in the, in the uh, foyer except two ushers opening the doors for us to get out.